0: I always, obviously, when I stand here, I feel like I've got the word that God has given. And, but I've really enjoyed preaching this series on Speak Life. And if you remember the first week, the first part of the first two messages, we, we talked about Ezekiel as he was there and given the vision. And he was sitting there with a valley of dry bones. And we talked about the fact that so many times in our lives we face situations that seem dead and dry. And it seems like there's no hope. And, and how that God instructed him, Son of Man, Speak Life. And we talked about with God, it ain't over till it's over, and sometimes not even then. Because people can declare, it's over, it's done. And God says, no, wait a minute, I'm not done yet. And the following week, we talked about, once again, Ezekiel's there in the Valley of Dry Bones, and he's prophesied to them, and the bones have come together. And, and God's assembled the bodies. There's, this, there's muscle, there's meat, there's, there's bones, there's skin. Everything's in place, but they're just pretty corpses. And then God comes to him and says, "Now." prophesied to the wind prophesied to the breath and the holy spirit came and breathed life into them and it says they arose and stood up as a mighty army we talked about how that sometimes we need to stop sitting among the dead things and we need to be resuscitated by the breath of life then last week i got a little bit into everybody's business I kind of shifted gears. We talked about Speak Live and uh, talked about it. We jumped over to James where James talks about a muscle that we all have that is a deadly weapon, our tongue. And we talked about that our tongues are, are a spark that can ignite the fires of revival or the flames of destruction. So this week is what I was thinking, okay, how do I want to wrap up this thing for Speak Life? Because this has really been on my heart. And I'll be honest with you. I thought, you know what? We're going to go out on a high note. We're going to talk about speaking life. We're going to talk about how the, you can bow and stick your chest out. And you can speak the things that are dead. And God moves in his power. And it comes to life. And, and God works the miraculous things. And they happen. And, and boy, I just picture it being this up and happy and celebratory. And, and just, I mean all kinds of stuff I have a cutting worship team loops and all that stuff and then this week happened i mean know that it's easy to speak life when you have those moments that you slayed the giant that nobody thought could be slain it's easy to speak life when when you've prayed over a family when you spoke life into a couple's life that was told there was no way they could have a child and God performs the miraculous and they're sitting here this morning with the baby boy. I mean, it's easy to speak life when you see those kind of things happen and God moves and God does things. It's easy to speak life when you've talked to somebody else and you see their faith rise up and all of a sudden they begin to step out and be what they're supposed to be. What about when it doesn't? What about when it seems like the giant's kicking your tail? What about when you've mustered up all the belief you can seem to scrounge together and it seems that you're running a faith deficit in that moment? You're literally experiencing a faith deficit. Your circumstance is calling for this much faith and yours is about here. How do you make up the gap? How do you speak life when you don't feel it? You feel more like telling God how unfair he is than telling your problem how big God is. When when you believe, but you need help with your unbelief, what do you do? As I said, I really planning on this being this up, jump up and down. Let's get after it. Man, God's so good, and he is. But it just seems that, this is not a woe is me thing, but we just, we Kim and I had a week. It was not the victorious week. I mean, here we've been speaking on, Speaking life and prophesying to things and declaring things and, and all that, and you know it 's kind of just like the enemy to say, "Oh yeah, and throw a little curveball we are just going along, and all of a sudden, I mean there was other things that were that were happening, but all of a sudden, Kim tweaks her back, and i mean she 's down for the count i mean it 's days of not being able to do anything, and all of a sudden, everything I had on my schedule was out the window, I had to get her back and forth to the doctor I had to had to be there for her because anytime she needed anything, I had to go take care of it. So we go to the doctor, and we come back, and the doctor said, you know what, I really would like for you to get one of those TENS units that you have the little um, electrodes, or whatever you put on there, and it exercises the muscle so that, your, so that your muscle can kind of relieve that while working on getting your spine back where it's supposed to be so that you won't have this issue, Anymore, and so we call around, and, and guess what? No one, Roy City or Rockwall, was there one to be found. Not that they were super expensive, but just nobody had one. Well, they could order it in, but she needed it now. So it was about a forty-five minute drive to go get it, and forty-five minutes back. And have you ever had one of those moments? I mean. Kim thought I was mad at her. I said, Babe, I'm mad at the situation. I'm not bad at you. But I just, you know, I'm like I told her I put my shoes on to get ready to go get this thing and I told her, I said, you know what? I said, I said, I'm kinda glad I'm getting to leave the house for a little bit. I'm got you know, and, and it wasn't anything with her, but I'm thinking in my mind, Okay, I'm gonna get in the car. It's just gonna be me and God in the car for this forty five minute drive there and back and and I'm gonna I'm gonna have a talk. <laughs> and so we have those moments and, and the thing is I mean there was a point I was driving down the road and I was I was ranting to God a little bit and the funny thing is the whole time I'm doing that the whole time I'm complaining it's like God I just talked about speaking life and, and all this stuff and so we're having this conversation and I'm driving, and I realize, you know what? I know better than how I'm feeling. I, I know that, that I know how blessed I am. I know all the things you've done in my life. And, but, but right now, I'm not happy. And I wanted to speak life in this situation, and I knew that I should, and I even uttered the words, but the words came out without authority and power because in that moment, I just didn't feel it. I mean, you know, you have those moments where, man, the Holy Spirit comes, and you're standing there in power, and you speak stuff in authority, and you know, it's done. This was not one of those moments. Then it hit me. I could talk about, I could finish this series with a happy, upbeat, less shout message. I could leave it sounding like if you just do these things, if you do A, B, C, D, you'll be all good. I could give you a formula. But what about the ones that try the formula? And they're sitting there, and they still find themselves sitting with dead bones around them. What about them? And It was interesting because I've been trying to work on this upbeat message with all this stuff, and it just wasn't coming together. But the second I sit down and begin to shift gears about how do you speak life when you don't feel it, and I couldn't type fast enough. It was like the Holy Spirit was just downloading stuff. And it was interesting. The funny thing about it is I finished it. The circumstances hadn't changed. But there was something about when I finished that and I stepped back, it was like it was all out. And even though nothing had changed, I was like, okay, I'm good now. It's going to be all right. I can speak life into this thing. And so I began to think about that. And I began to think about, you know what? We're all capable of having those days. And if you have one of those days, you're actually in some pretty good company. Because we all struggle with the idea. We all have those times and those moments where there's circumstances. Ever had the feeling that if faith was a bank account, you'd have insufficient funds? You have some faith... But the thing that you're facing requires more faith than you got. So begin to think about that. Begin to think about the father in the Bible, Mark chapter 9. That there he was. Scripture says that he had a son that on occasion that was tormented by a demonic spirit. On occasion it would caused the sun to fall and the Bible describes foaming at the mouth and this horrible situation and so great news, the father finds out Jesus is close by. Hey, there's my answer. I'll take my son to Jesus and we'll get this thing taken care of. And the Bible describes that he shows up and when, while he's there, he approaches the disciples and the disciples try to cast this thing out and have no success whatsoever and jesus comes walking up on the scene and there's this discussion going on the disciples aren't happy because nothing was happening the father wasn't happy because his son was still like that the some of the some of the scribes had come along. And of course, they didn't like Jesus anyways, so they're putting their two cents worth in, and you've got this whole thing going on, and Jesus walks up on the scene and basically says, Hey, guys, what's going on? And the father looks at Jesus and says, I brought my son. and he began to describe the situation of the son. And he said, Your disciples couldn't do anything. And you can almost hear the disappointment in the Father's voice when you read it, where he says, If you can, would you heal my son? I mean, can you imagine? You think Jesus is the answer, you take your son, and the first thing is disappointment. Let's look at what it says, verse 23 and 24. And Jesus said to him, If you can... All things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. I've read this passage many times and I've thought about this many times and this isn't a new revelation, but if you really think about it, those words ought to be every Christian's battle cry. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Because no matter how good you are, no matter how great you are, you have those moments where you you want to prophesy to the bones, but in the back of your head, what you're hearing is, Lord, if you can, Lord, if you will, dare I even dream this is possible? And we're caught, and we're stuck in that moment. The good news is, even greater Greater men and women than us in the Bible have found themselves in those moments, ranting in place of prophesying, bitter tears rolling down their face in place of joy, up against the wall in face of devastating news. I love trying to take the essence of a message and bring it down to a thought or a statement that if everybody can just remember that, And so I I worked, the the one part of the message didn't come quickly, was I worked and worked. How can I, what kind of statement can I make? And then all of a sudden it hit me. I can't improve on what the Father said. I believe, help my unbelief. Who here has ever had a rant session with God? You know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you have that moment where you're like, okay, does heaven have a complaint department? <laughs> right? And if you haven't had one of those, you know, probably everybody raised their hand, so I'm not going to get on to you. they am going to say, you're really special if you never had that, you know. But I was thinking about that. I was thinking about the rant session, and then I thought, you know what? We're actually in pretty good company when we have those moments. Matter of fact, there's a man that was said to be a man after God's own heart that had moments that he ran into God. Have you ever read some of his Psalms that he wrote? There are moments that he's like God. So let's look at one, Psalms 13, 1 through 4. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Forever. How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice that I am shaken. You might say... David was not having a good day here. I did research. We don't know exactly what he was dealing with in this moment when he wrote this. But we can look at his life and we can speculate on some possibilities. I mean, here's the guy that slew the giant. Here's the guy that God was with him when he took out the bear and the lion and and all the things that God used him for and yet, on the heels of all that trying to be a good servant to King Saul, King Saul gets jealous and all of a sudden, if you know the story, King Saul's hunting him down, trying to kill him and here he is, all he had done was what was good and right and honorable and now he's running for his life. We also know that Later on, after God established him as king, that he fell and he stumbled and he, and he had this affair that he shouldn't have had and, and those things. And because of that, family circumstances in his life were never the same. God forgave him. He, he asked for but there was stuff that he faced. I've come to a conclusion. I actually got this conclusion a long time ago. But I've noticed in Scripture, you see the concept in the Old Testament of multiple wives. It never works out well. It may I'm sure it sounds like a good idea to somebody, but it never works out well. And what do you see? I mean, think about this. All the family turmoil that was facing. Here's a guy that stood there and pointed his face, pointed his finger in the face of a giant and said, you can say all those things you want to say to me, but I'm telling you, my God is able and I'm fixing to take you out. That was Texan for. The Texas version of it. (laughs) And when he goes to battle, it literally says that this... Can you imagine? That's one scene I want to see is the big giant, little David, running towards the giant. I mean, everything would say it should be the other way around, but he's like, come on, buddy. But when you have the stuff going on, I mean, the man that had the authority to point the finger and stare down the giant... And declare victory, he's running for his life. He's got turmoil in his family. Whatever the circumstance, you get the picture of what he was facing and what he was going through. And not only that, later on, his very own son, Absalom, tries to take his kingdom and basically succeeds for a little bit. And he's running for his life from his own son, here's a guy that has some stuff to complain about. Can you imagine him? God, <laughs> you said I was a man after your heart and I'm running for my son? But the one thing to me that stands out about David's rants, whether he was facing something that indirectly he was at fault for or not, when he complained, when he cried out to God, He never failed to acknowledge who God was and who was in control because right on the heel of that rant verse 5 and 6 he says but I have trusted in your steadfast love my heart shall rejoice in your salvation I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me So clearly, David still had some faith here. He was facing some stuff. He was struggling. He was running to God, but he still had some faith. And he had faith that God knew what he was doing. Have you ever been there? That's the way I was when I was driving down the road in the car the other day. I was complaining a little bit about some of the stuff that was going on, but I kept going back to, but God, I know I have no right to complain. God, I know who you are. I know I'm an incredibly blessed man. I know I should be speaking life, but I just don't feel it. I should be bowing out my chest. I should be talking against this thing with authority, but I don't feel it. I can say the words, but it's not the same as in that moment when the Holy Spirit comes and all of a sudden you know that when you speak it, it is done. It's done. You know, I think God is okay with our honest rants as long as we keep in mind who we're talking to. He's a big God and he can take it. I may not have had faith to prophesy directly to the situation, but I had enough faith to know who I was talking to. I may not have boldly spoke life into the situation, but I had enough faith to boldly take my knee before the throne of grace. That's the difference. I was clear that I was at the breaking point. But in that, I'm not talking about just this past week. I couldn't help but flashback. In my mind to the whole idea of Lord, I have faith. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. A lot of you know a little bit of the history of the church here, and I know we've got some newer people, and at some point when we sit down, I'd love to tell you the whole story if you got about two hours. <laughs> but God had called us out of a ministry we've been very successful in and said, Hey, Literally, short version is, "Hey, there's this church that's broken and wounded, and I've called you to go be pastors there." And there were times, and there was moments, the church that has become this church. But I never forget there was a period of time that we were this close to closing the doors that even though I knew that I knew that God had called us, I had about this much faith. I'll never forget there was, in the other sanctuary in Fade, I'll never forget there was one Sunday that it was during the week following that Sunday and they just, God, what are we going to do? I had people advising me, well, we need to make plans on how to close the doors and back out with the least damage. And You can imagine. And God, I know you called me. I'm sorry, God, I failed you. I, I don't know what to do. I remember walking into the sanctuary by myself, walking up and down the aisles, having a much more severe rant time than what i had this week just telling god i'm i'm at the end i, I don't know what to do How, i'm failed i mean this i never would have thought i'd be here but here i am did you really send me here just to bring this thing in for a soft landing and the doors to shut down and try to keep there from being too much damage I was having that time, God. I'm desperate. I need your miracle. I just don't have the faith to keep going. My phone rings. It's a pastor friend of mine that called from a. If I were to, if I were to say it, you'd know exactly who I'm talking about. But from a much larger church, very successful church. And he asked me the question, how you doing? Now, almost everybody, the usual answer is fine. But he caught me in that moment. I wasn't going to lie to him. Not good. We're practically done. He said, why don't you and Kim meet my wife and I for dinner tonight? we showed up went to dinner he's sitting across the table from me and all i'd known was here's this successful church here's this person that's involved in stuff with the district here's all these things and he begins to tell me the story in his wife about when they first landed at the church that is now this very successful church and the situation that they inherited and begin to describe how difficult people were to work with begin to describe all those things that they were facing and so forth and literally he's sitting across the table from me telling our story back to us and I thought oh my goodness I just thought you always had this successful church I had no idea and he begins to lay out the story. And as he's talking, I can feel my faith rising up just a little bit. And then the clincher was so simple. He's sitting across the table from me. He looks at me right in the eyes. He says, here's what you need to remember. You are God's called man for this moment and the only way it fails is if you quit and walk away just that little sentence we finished that dinner we went out we got in the car together and we said we ain't quitters I walked into that next board meeting and the second somebody said something about how we're going to close this thing down, oh, there was something that rose up in me. And I said, we're not done. We're not closing the door. We serve the God of the suddenlies. I don't know where. I don't know how. I don't know when. But something's going to happen, and things are going to shift, and God's going to cut suddenly come on the scene, and this thing's going to turn around, and this church will live. The hour and a half would be be for me to tell you the miracles of all the things that begin to happen from that point on. One of which was getting to move here. Short version of this story is we're here because God said, here's a building and six acres of land that's already paid for, here you go. That was my... Lord, I believe, but help me with my unbelief moment. And all it took to boost that level of faith was somebody saying, you are reminding me, you are God's chosen person for this. Don't quit. But don't you notice something about David? David. David never threatened God. David never said, God, I'm not even sure that you exist. David said, you know, if you don't respond to me, I'm through trying to live for you. He never did any of that. He acknowledged who he was, and he just began to take his problem before the throne of grace. He was honest in his desperate rant for help. In those moments, God is aware. God already knows what you're going through. He already knows what's happening. And if we would just acknowledge Him and acknowledge the faith that we have, and if we're just willing in our own way to just say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, grace me with a boost of faith. What about those times you're too broken to rant? You know the taste of bitter tears all too well. Many times we're in that moment when we're crying those bitter tears, we reach the, Lord, let's make a deal moment. Have you ever tried to make a deal with God? Lord, if you'll just do this, and we promise him the moon. So I thought about that thought. I began to think about Hannah. Hannah carried with her. I mean, Hannah had a husband that loved her so dearly. And as I mentioned, the multiple wife things just doesn't work too well. Because the other wife. Panina, Panina, however, you say it, I've heard it pronounced both ways. She. Was just this constant thorn in Hannah's side. Hannah couldn't have kids. She could. And she made sure Hannah always knew about that. And they would go to Shiloh once a year to, to bring their sacrifices. And as they went, this one year in particular, I mean, her rival was just relentless. Even though her husband loved her very much, he gave her a double portion of everything. He was trying to show how much he cared, and she just was on her and on her. And finally, Hannah just leaves the table and goes to the temple and begins to cry out before the Lord. I mean, she is so broken and so bitter, and the tears are so heavy that that words aren't even coming out of her mouth. And Eli, the high priest, looks at her and thinks, this lady's drunk. and he goes up to her and he says basically you need to quit being like this and get yourself cleaned up he's like I haven't had any strong drink she begins to explain the situation you know what I love in her circumstance she had enough faith to go to the temple just not enough faith to believe that God could do what God was about to do. You know what her boost in faith was all she needed? was when Eli, the high priest, says, the Lord has heard your prayer, and you will have a child. She walked out. It literally says she left that and went right back and ate and spent the rest of the time because she had her answer. Let's look at it. First 1 Samuel 110 and 11, she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly, and she vowed a vow and said, "O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and, and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head." She made a promise, she made a deal. And here's the best part. She kept her deal. I want to ask for a show of hands, but I'm not going to do it. But, you know, probably all of us at some point, we've been praying. We've been weeping over something. Something's been heavy in our heart. And we, we go to the Lord. We say, Lord, if you will do this, I will do that. And we, we, we make our deal. And then he does it. And we're thinking, well, you know what? I was probably just a little enthusiastic in that deal. He probably really doesn't need that. And we don't follow through on our deal. But Hannah did. Let me tell you something. If in those moments you make a deal, you'd be well advised to keep that deal. I've had two times in my life that I didn't do that. And you don't get to hear the story. But I will tell you this part of it, one of them. There was a situation, and I'd prayed to God desperately for a healing, and I'd made a deal, and He healed me, and I went back on my deal. And it was a totally unrelated. It wasn't too long later. I end up in the hospital with a kidney stone. I'm on morphine. I'm in a lot of pain. They're, they're keeping me. And one of the precious ladies from the church, I mean a prayer warrior. How many know somebody that's just, they're just a prayer warrior? I mean, they know how to pray. And when they come and they bring something to you, you just about put it in the bank they've heard from God because they just have that track record. And this lady came to the hospital and she was praying for me. And I really appreciated that. And literally she is praying in that moment and she stops and she looks at me and she says, you made a deal with God you didn't keep. Ow. (laughs) See, Hannah made a deal with God and she kept it. And what she didn't realize was that she had to be brought to that point where she would allow her son to live the life that he was supposed to live. In case you're not sure, her son was Samuel. Samuel went on to be an incredible man of God. Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were rascals. They were supposed to be the next one in line to, to be a part of running the temple. I mean, they were running scams on the side. They were doing all kinds of horrible things. They were abusing their position for personal gain. And yet, through this, God gives Eli... Samuel to raise, and Samuel comes, rises up, and becomes this man of God, the priest, the one that got to literally bring revival to a nation, got to anoint David as king, that God used for mighty incredible things. All because she kept her promise. But she got her faith, she got her answer. And many times we cry out to God, we we, want to make deals, but we need to remember to be, because you don't know if that deal you're making might just be a piece of what God is waiting and wanting to use. You see the common thread here? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Now, there are many more stories in the Bible. How I mean, you know, I many, as I'm talking, you could think, man, that would apply to this story and this story? I mean, we could literally do a series on times that people face a situation, they ran it, and God did something to elevate their faith, and they rose up and became what they were supposed to be. But the truth is, for every one of us, what is that situation in your life that you just can't quite bring yourself to speak life over? You just can't quite bring yourself to prophesy and speak it a bit. You know that you're know that you blessed. You know God's with you. You know that you've got some faith. But there's just that area that every time it comes to that one specific area, you just struggle with the idea you can't quite bring yourself to speak life over that because you just don't feel it. What's that area for you? Because we all know that even the godliest comes to a point where they hit a wall. Even the greatest among us reaches that place where it feels like this is it. Next stop, heaven. How many of you want to go to heaven? How many of you want to go today? (laughs) You ever notice how that the the number of hands drops in that moment? You know, we're all good with, yeah, someday I want to go to heaven. Oh, you mean now? <laughs> but what if you got the word that it was now? What if you were facing the wall and you ask yourself, is this really it? You ever thought about Hezekiah? It's a godly king. He receives word from a very authoritative source. You shall die, you shall not recover. How do you speak life then? Let's look at it 2 Kings 21 through 3. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet the son of Amos came to him and said to him thus says the Lord set your house in order for you shall die you shall not recover Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord saying now O Lord please remember I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight and Hezekiah wept bitterly I mean talk about a faith killer How do you speak life in that moment? I mean, it's one thing for the doctor to say, I'm sorry, but this is it. It's another thing for Isaiah to come walking into the room and say, you're going to (laughs) die. How do you... I mean, where's your faith at that point? I mean, you, you can have faith that, okay... Heaven's just around the corner. Thank God for that. But how do you speak life into that circumstance? What does he do? He just turns his face to the wall and weeps. But we know that prayer changes things. And as we said the very first week, it ain't over till it's over with God. Sometimes not even then. Boy, that statement applies right here. But how do you speak life when the word of death you've received seems pretty final? Matter of fact, when you're told that that's God's word, get your stuff in order, this is it. Now I know unless Jesus comes back, all of us are going to face that one day. Thank God for heaven. Thank God that in those moments we can know that we know and I've seen person after person as a close relationship with God that it just be a glorious thing when their time is done. But putting yourself in Hezekiah's shoes, that's pretty difficult. How often do we hear, well, you're just going to have to live with it this is never going to get better. Or even worse, the doctor says this is terminal. How's your faith account in that moment? In this case, though, it sure seems that his prayer and his tears shifted the heart of God. Look at verses 4 through 6. And before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of David your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you on the third day. You shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Boy, talk about prayer changing things. Can you imagine laying there, your face against the wall, you're weeping, you're crying, and Isaiah, that had just delivered the bad news, comes walking back in and says, Um, God just spoke to me again he's heard your prayer he's going to give you 15 more years I bet the tears either dried up or turned to tears of joy really quickly see we may get that final negative report but it's not final until God says it's final and even then he kind of said it was final then his prayer said well no it's not final 15 more years Maybe you get that report from the doctor. Maybe a loved one that you've been trying to speak life on that you know is running from God just keeps telling you there's no way it'll never happen and you're struggling with having enough faith. Your faith may be taking it on the chin or you feel like you're out on your feet or you've been knocked down. But what I want you to get is there's example after example of people in the Bible that have been where you're at in those moments, that have had those moments that they've cried out to God, maybe even with a little bit of anger, or they've, they've just been so bitter that they, all they can do is cry, and God comes through because they had the guts and they had the heart to take what little bit of faith they had and approach the throne of grace and say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Isn't it great that God graces us with that boost of faith just when we need it? I've seen him do it again and again. So we bring this to a close, if I can get some music. I just want these few words to stick in your heart when you're facing those moments. Lord, I believe. My unbelief, because we all have those areas in our life, right? We can have faith on all kinds of fronts, but there's just that thing that lingers, that difficulty, that thing we can't seem to get past. That the, the and, and it seems like everything, and we we know that we're blessed. We 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 know we shouldn't be ranting or or whatever it is, but we 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 know that. Lord I so want to speak life to this. And Jesus just like he told the Father, if I can if you believe Lord I believe help my unbelief and God did the work I don't believe for a moment that God shifted this message for just to be some I believe that the words that he's given me today means that there's some people here that really need this somebody ask our prayer team to come down front if they would And if you're here, these people are down here. I'm going to step down in just a moment. Maybe you're here and you, maybe you, like me, you need somebody to sit across from you and speak a little extra faith in your life to to help get your faith level up. Or maybe you kind of just need to do like Hannah and just find a place and bury your head and just say, God, this is what I'm facing. Say, Lord, I believe, but I'm struggling here. Help my unbelief. If that's you, I know that it can be so difficult to what you want me to step out in front of other people. If you remember, everybody raised their hand and said they've been there. So wherever you're at, it's not unique. I invite you to come. Let one of us agree with you in prayer or find a place to kneel or whatever you need to do. But if you're in that moment, you say, Lord, I just need... you're, You're thinking, you've probably maybe even uttered, you know, Lord, is there a complaint department? Just bring it to Him. Let Him lift that faith where you can have those moments. The thing you couldn't speak to before, all of a sudden the faith is there and you can look at it and you can stick out your chest and you can speak life and you can tell that thing where to go. Amen? That's you. Step out. Step out. Father, I just speak life over every person here. But we all have those moments. And Lord, there are those that are here that they're in the middle of that moment right now. And there are those that know exactly what I'm talking about and things may be good now. But Lord, I pray that we would all understand, Lord, that we face those times in life. There are times that our faith is put to the test, but Lord, you are so faithful. That in those moments, Lord, that we'll be able to look at you with honesty and sincerity and lay out our problem and say, Lord God, I believe, help my unbelief. And that miraculously and by your power that you will show up on the scene, that you will touch them, that you will be with them. And Lord, their faith will rise up and they will be able to truly boldly declare through the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, that they will see their own miracles, that they will have their own stories to tell. Lord Jesus, of how you've come through. We claim it. We believe it. I pray that you be with every single person here and that you bless them in an extraordinary way, that you bring us back together this next Sunday. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.